You're listening to the I Love You Keep Going podcast with George Haas. For more information, please visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's www.m-e-t-t-a-g-r-o-u-p.org. So welcome, everybody. This is I Love You Keep Going. It's January 19th, 2023, 7.35 p.m. Pacific Time. And I thought today we would talk about attachment and non-attachment, one of my favorite topics from quite a long time ago. I used to teach a course called Attachment, Non-Attachment to introduce attachment theory to the um, idea of uh, not attaching in meditation. They really do mean quite different things. Uh, I think, though, that we sometimes can find ourselves thinking that not engaging or, or a detached mode is actually what uh, Theravada Buddhism and meditation is teaching us. I think that comes from the idea that a lot of us uh, who find meditation find it because we are suffering and we want uh, a way out of suffering. And a lot of people who come to meditation in the West um, come because uh, the sources of suffering in their lives they've identified as difficult interpersonal relationships. And so they're looking for a a way to uh, either make the relationships work better or simply not need them so that they can move through the world without depending on them. There's a kind of romantic notion about uh, being a cave yogi and retiring to a cave somewhere and and living completely independently. And the idea that meditation could be that vehicle that would allow that to happen. When we were traveling in Myanmar, I asked if there were some caves that we could go and see. I wanted to see what these uh, cave monasteries were like, and so we went to a few of them. Um, it was quite different than I thought. It wasn't high in the mountains. It was actually next to a village. Um, it wasn't isolated yogis. It was like uh, a, a warren of of meditation cells dug into the side of a hill. And uh, outside of that, there was a monastery that actually had a couple of hundred monks in it that supported the people who stayed in the caves. And there was a constant social uh, activity there. It wasn't the kind of isolation that I had uh, in my cartoon world uh, dreamed up. In attachment theory, of course, we're talking about making these connections with other people that feel safe, that are actually supportive of us, so that we are emotionally regulated enough and nurtured enough that we can then pursue exploration and derive the meaningfulness of life from that exploration. And then have a social network where we can share that experience, the experiences of our exploration in and non-attachment in the buddhist sense has uh, uh, a micro and a macro uh, understanding i think in the micro sense uh, all of the sensing experiences arise and pass 
and uh, we fixate them or attach to them briefly, which creates the experience of conceptual reality from ultimate reality. And we simply have a light touch which allows them to come and go without uh, grabbing onto them. Grab is the word that Dan Brown used to use to describe this. Our attention grabs onto a sensing experience and then we don't want to let it go. And, and so we resist letting it go. And that's the origin of suffering or we fixate something and then we, we have an aversive reaction to the experience and we attempt to push it away. So the, the grab is that we don't want it. Uh, <clears throat> so that's at the macro level in, in the in the, just the flow of sensing experiences arising and passing, or you can push into a flow state with that, where they're just coming and going, or you can find that you're grabbing on to pleasant sensations, resisting unpleasant sensations, ignoring uninteresting sensations. And it's easy to think that in not attaching in the way that we talk about in terms of experience, that that also applies to relationships. We want to get to a place where we don't actually have to attach into relationships. And in attachment theory, of course, what we understand is that we live in these human bodies, which are designed through evolution to uh, require complex social interactions. We have these bundles of neurons in the brain, which are only in species uh, that have complex social interactions, that actually the attachment system uh, causes us to seek proximity to people that we think are, are safe and who will protect us. And that the when the attachment mechanism goes off, the only thing that really settles it is this connection to other people and that it continues to get more and more distressing until we actually find that connection and can settle into it. So the, the way that I like to think about it is that we want to be able to fully engage in the experience of the present moment, which includes fully engaging into connection with other people, but at the same time, we don't want to cling to it and cause ourselves to suffer from it. When you're establishing your uh, social network, one of the things to pay attention to is how useful people are to you in terms of your capacity to regulate and how useful they are to you in terms of supporting your exploration. You have a kind of fuzzy, romantic idea about utility of relationships. I think that we're supposed to love people um, that are close to us. And that is the main motivation. But I like to cleave apart love and care. We need to take care of people so that they're in good shape to take care of us. And they need to take care of us so that the support that we get from interpersonal relationships actually is useful to the kind of exploration that we want to do. Human babies are, of course, completely dependent on the care that they receive to survive. And if they don't receive enough care or the right kind of care, there's actually a fail-safe mechanism and that shuts them down. 
they don't survive. And if they have the right kind of care or enough care, they do grow and develop. We've all, all of us sitting here have grown and developed throughout our lives by receiving the necessary care coming from the people that we've been able to put around ourselves and through our own uh, contributions. We're born, we're dependent on care. The care that we give creates the experience or the expectation of what we can expect from ourselves and from the world. And then that's the model that we take forward, a representation of that early experience of care into the world, what we're capable of, what we can expect from other people. In secure relationships, in, according to attachment theory, the expectation is that you can take care of yourself. And the expectation for the world is that there, the world is filled with people who will be happy to engage in relationship with you and share that caring uh, exchange. If you grow up to be dismissing the ordinary conscious experience of self is that you're this fantastic uh, person and uh, everybody else is not quite up to it, doesn't quite measure up. But if you would peel away that surface, what you would find is that at the core of this is this terrible sadness that Nothing that uh, they did as children was enough to get uh, an adequate response from their caregivers. So there's a terrible sadness at the core of that, which they then inflate the sense of self to avoid touching into. Uh, in childhood, of course, the experience is that there's nothing I can do. I'm not good enough to get the care that I need. But as uh, you get older, you flip it, and then it becomes, I'm this wonderful person, uh, but you're not up to taking care of me. And so everybody else is devalued, diminished in that. In terms of exploration, because dismissing people have a tendency to transact the care that they want, they pursue things that provide them with the resources that they can then uh, use to transact the kind of care that they want to receive. It's not reciprocal, it's not collaborative. Secure people tend to collaborate. They recognize that they have an agenda and that the other person has an agenda and they collaborate with the, the people in their lives so that each person can reach uh, a successful conclusion with the agenda that they have. But in dismissing uh, adults, really, the, the dismissing person's adult, the dismissing person's agenda is the only one that matters. And the other person's agenda, even though they provide care, doesn't. Preoccupied adults think of themselves as inadequate to take care of themselves. They think of everybody else as capable that really their mission in life is to latch on to somebody else who can take care of them because they're, they're unable to do that. This comes from a childhood where 
the care that was provided was inconsistent and the child couldn't predict how they would ask or what they would have to do in order to get the care that they needed. It was all always dependent on the, the state that the caregiver was in. And then disorganized people see themselves as incapable really of getting the care that they need or undeserving of getting the care that they need, but they see other people as perpetrators, as people who will harm them. And so they have a tendency to withdraw from social interaction. But these become views that are fixed. We talk about that in, in understanding the nature of how we experience things. You can create a view that gets quite fixed, and then you think that that's actually how it is. So what we're talking about here then in the non-attachment uh, side of things is that this is a view that's been formed by conditioning. We need to begin to penetrate into the, the experience that formed these views and then um, stop clinging to them, stop grabbing on to them and allowing them to open up so that we can see clearly what actually is happening now in the present moment. That making sense. And so we do this through different meditation practices, first seeing how we make things. So you have the capacity to sense the object that can be sensed by that capacity when there's contact, a consciousness of that sensing experience arises. It's evaluated for urgency. Does it need immediate attention? Does it not matter whether we get to it? Uh, is there time for a pleasant experience? And then uh, the process of it is ordered as a particular sensing experience gets to the top of the queue. It's compared to perceptual, compared to the perceptual database. And if there's a previously experienced sensing experience in the database, that maps closely to the current one, the meaning attaches to the undifferentiated sensing experience. So attaches is what we, when we say attach or non-attach in Buddhism, what we mean is that the raw, undifferentiated, unfixated sensing experience is attached with meaning and becomes a representation of conceptual reality in that process of conceptual reality is also the intention that we might take and the action that we might take. And if we do take an action, what result there is from taking the action. As we begin to see the conditioning, and one of the reasons I like attachment theory is because it describes patterns of conditioning that are recognizable when we begin to do the meditation work of trying to decode this. Uh, the whole experience of, of self and world in the beginning can be quite daunting to try and decode to understand what's actually happening. Um, but if you have these patterns these that you can begin to recognize, it actually is like a key uh, to a map uh, that unfolds 
in a way that makes it easier to see. It's one of the reasons I talk about uh, working with attachment conditioning as a preliminary practice for Westerners. Uh, it helps us explore the things that we need to see in terms of the nature of this human condition where we create a sense of self and world through our perception of it and that we can create it in many different ways and that everybody is creating a sense of self and world uh, through their perception, their conditioning because everybody's conditioning is different. We just create different experiences of even if we're in the same room experiencing the same thing at the same time because our uh, conditioning is different, we create a different sense of what's actually happening. In opening up the attachment conditioning, of course, we see how to unfixate things, how to you know, detach from the old working models and to see more clearly what's actually happening in the present moment. So we look at it. First, in terms of the Vipassana side or breaking things up, uh, this is how I make the experience of the world. How closely does it match actually what's happening? The, the Pali word that I like for this is Tajapanati, which means a constant checking. You're constantly evaluating the way that you've created conceptual reality by comparing it to the ultimate reality to make sure that the way that you've created the experience of the present moment is a reflection of what's actually happening in the present moment and not wildly distorted. The thing about attachment conditioning is it's very uh, stable over a most people's lifetime and the views that it creates are very compelling, very convincing. So part of this process is to understand actually what happened to us and how we use that as a basis for forming our experience of the present moment and reevaluating the rigidity of some of these views or viewpoints. to this experience of the present moment and what's happening now. Often, when we come out of the uh, childhood experience, if there isn't a need to normalize what happens, we think of it as normal. So we call this process uh, establishing a coherent narrative of what your early experiences were like. Yeah, when we remain in the family system, since the, the conduct of the caregivers uh, over generations is usually pretty stable, uh, what you're, uh, it's hard to get a contrast that would uh, allow you to see things 
in a perspective other than the view of the family system. So one of the things is this exchange with people. There isn't really a way to change the past, but there is a way to change the relationship to the past in the present moment, which changes the meaning of the past, which is something that we can do to understand it differently, so that when we make the sense of the world now, we make it in a different fashion than we did without that understanding. One of the paradigms of uh, difficult childhood experiences is the good parent, bad child. The child needs to sum the experiences that happen and feel a sense of safety in the person that's taking care of them. If they can't make sense of it, then they take on the responsibility for why it went wrong so that they can preserve the image of the good parent. So part of this process is to actually see things clearly from the adult perspective. Maybe the parenting wasn't so good. Maybe the child wasn't so bad. You can let go of one side or the other of it. I, I think letting go of both sides is pretty good. Then you can begin to reflect with a sense of compassion on the conditions that the caregivers must have grown up in in order to behave in the way that they did with you in your childhood circumstance. If you have children, one of the things that you notice about it, I think, is that it's quite stressful to have children. It's quite demanding. Children need a lot of care, and it's a kind of ceaseless demand that comes from younger children for care. And often when it's novel, particularly with first children, you don't have anything in the database that would tell you what to do in response to how the children are behaving. Uh, but you might have an example of how your caregiver interacted with you. The mind flips it and you become your caregiver. and Your, uh, you, your child becomes you. And, and that's how you respond, it's the way that it carries generation to generation in family systems. And so you can reflect backwards and open that up. To see things clearly, to understand the, the effects of conditioning, uh, to understand that while your caregivers may not have attended to these difficulties, and changed it in the process of you examining it and opening up to it, you are changing it here so that it doesn't continue down generation after generation. Attachment conditioning is very stable. Uh, you're likely, you're, you have a 70% chance of having the same attachment strategy as your great-grandmother, and an 85% chance of having the same attachment strategy as your parent, your primary caregiver. So in this investigation of the attachment conditioning, we can begin to then see the elements that we need to investigate in order to understand the nature of the human condition 
in a classic uh, enlightenment perspective that all the skills training that happens when you have these easy signposts to track opens up the meditation capacity then once you resolve the attachment conditioning if you have something to resolve you can then focus on a deeper understanding of the nature of the human condition and that is that we take in the sensing data we compare it to our perceptual database and we create a version of reality part of this insight of course is that you can create almost any version of reality depending on the circumstances that you're in so you want to recognize when the mind is distorted by a view and when it's not distorted by a view and whether the representation that you're creating out of the experience of just being here is actually reflective of what's happening and then in seeing that opening to uh, the possibility of touching into the sacredness of this life this is a conundrum for me for a long time i i uh, tend to be science oriented i grew up in a household where my uh, parents were educated my father was a medical doctor so his rooted in science. My mother was a nurse, rooted in science. Very little uh, sense of uh, the spirit in the household I grew up in. It was not really a discussion, not religious. I came home uh, in fourth grade with a form that, that one of the lines on it was, what is your family's religion? So I said to my mother, Mom, what's our religion? She thought about it for a minute and she said, Oh, put Protestant, which was the full extent of our religious training. <laughs> Christian. George, do you think it might be somewhat natural that someone moving into secure attachment, if they haven't had any kind of spiritual sense, that that would accompany that some kind of growing spiritual sense or do you think that that's not necessarily the case um if you change your mind about other people being reliable and other people being uh, capable of taking care of you and uh, other people being worth your interest in care and you begin to take care of them and see the value in that and at the same time you begin to practice uh, i think uh, that they can work very well together you don't know that you need to do the first part in order to have the the mind open to um a sense of interest in the service of the community uh, bodhicitta is a is a word that means the heart breaks open and what i notice about people who practice and develop insight into the the nature of this is there's a natural tendency to move more in the direction of service to the community 
that just would be related natural to outcome stuff. of the practice. Say that again. Sorry, that would be related to like Buddhist practice, but not necessarily uh, shifts in attachment. Um, I notice in people who don't do attachment work that that opening of the heart and that interest in being of service to the community, the whole planet community, uh, happens um, without resolving the attachment conditioning, um, the difficulties in interpersonal relationships that uh, uh, insecure, organized, or disorganized attachment, uh, the interferences that happen are still happening, <clears throat> even though there is that interest in, in the community. I think that one of the things that happens in in practice is that that those barriers or these, those boundaries that appear so solid that keep us as separate from everything begin to come apart and you see yourself more uh, as part of this whole thing rather than as these these individuals that are separate from each other there's also as the compassion piece arises, the loving kindness piece arises, uh, more of a sense of softness and more of a sense of acceptance of other people. Doesn't mean you, you without doing the attachment work with it and without really understanding how relationships are supposed to function that you're any better at it. But uh, I do think that the, the heart does open and there is a, a feeling of capacity for uh, experiencing other people's suffering without needing to reflexively turn it away. I think that uh, practice is harder if you don't have uh, support. And so in the beginning, uh, focusing on really uh, making relationships functional and putting around yourself a network of people who support you actually makes the practice uh, focus more on liberation easier to do because you have the support that you need to do it and that it's harder to do when you don't have that support. I don't think that the idea that you can withdraw from everyone and be an island unto yourself uh, is actually a good platform for deep practice. It's too difficult if you get knocked sideways. To write yourself, it takes a long time in comparison to how fast you could do it if you were in a, a social network that was supportive. And I think that we talk about it, uh, of having community and having sangha and having that kind of support, but it, I, I also notice that it, uh, it uh, is hard to get to work very well in certain communities. I know in, at Against the Stream where we were for a long time, so many of the people that, that were there were coming out of the addiction community uh, and did not function that well in, in relationships, so that there was a lot of difficulty around that. 
a, a, you know, a wonderful community of support and an interest in being supportive and developing, uh, but at the same time, a difficulty. So in the attachment world, what we talk about is attachment as a positive thing where we connect to other people and form functioning relationships that support us in our capacity to explore, that support for our capacity to explore. We can use uh, that as the energy to go into practice deeply. <coughs> And understanding attachment and non-attachment in the micro version of it in meditation is that we attach to things to create the experience of solidness of the conceptual reality. And then we let them go moment by moment. So in each moment, fixating and releasing, fixating and releasing. Uh, in the micro sense, uh, sorry, in the macro sense of that, uh, I think it is a misunderstanding to say that we don't connect in relationships to anyone. It's actually the opposite. We want to be free to be in relationships but not have to cling to them. In relationships, where you're committed and you're supportive and you keep your agreements with people, that is not necessarily clinging. Recognizing that all things come and go, including all relationships, but at the same time being capable of supporting and putting the time, energy, and resources into relationships that are productive are not contradictory. You can have supportive relationships that are long-term and at the same time not cling to them, understand the, the impermanent nature of everything, still value them and still uh, try to keep them as long as you can, and then experience the loss. One of the things about impermanence is because everything is lost, we need to get good at losing things so that it doesn't create that clinging environment that causes us to suffer from it. But still, in each moment, there's a pop of sadness. And when things come to an end, there's, there's a lot of connection to it. There's a lot of sadness. And if we don't cling to the sadness, it's an energy that propels us into what's coming next, the replacement of what's lost. And if we do cling to it, it becomes a, an enervating energy that prevents us from moving forward and connecting. Is that all making sense? Um, so I like that, that back and forth. I think uh, attachment theory, uh, when we use it as a, a platform for developing our meditation practice, we can put together a social network that will support a, a deep practice, support that, uh, our exploration in that. 
and then we can learn the true nature of the human condition, which is that everything is impermanent, that the self is not substantial, uh, and that we live in a body that will go through uh, its process of uh, a birth to death. Not much to do about that. But we can have uh, uh, traveling companions along the way as we go. And so we can find meaning in that. So uh, let's do some meditation practice. Uh, what do you think? Loving kindness or insight? No preference. <laughs> All right. Let's do some insight practice. How'd that go? Easy to do once you know. That investigation of where your attention goes is really interesting because it's selecting the, the little tokens that you make self and world out of. You can get a real, a real sense of what you prefer, which is an opening into the nature of your conditioning how you hold self and world. So uh, this Saturday is the third in the series of level one that we're currently in. So there's this, this Saturday and the following Saturday. We have a level two starting uh, a few weeks after that. We're actually going to do another level one in March. We're going to do an EU level one um, in April. We have the retreat starting in uh, June in Utrecht, if you're interested in sitting for a few days. Uh, we've been talking about doing the uh, uh, a retreat in Thailand uh, for three weeks in November. So that seems to be coming together, might be fun. Anyway, that stuff is on the website. Take a look. We have a new chapbook out called uh, 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 Secure uh, Strategies or something like that, which is a, a, a dialogue about the nature of secure attachment, which people quite li have been liking quite a bit. So take a look at that if you're interested. Um, I offer the, the class on a Donna basis. That means that I offer the teaching freely, but I do hope that you'll make a donation if you can. There's a link on the website to do that. It supports me and also the work that Metagroup is doing. We really appreciate your practice. Christian. George, I'm performing on violin tomorrow, so uh, send, me some, send me some good meta vibes. Okay, awesome. Record it. I'd like to hear it. All right. Wonderful. Fingers crossed. We'll see you soon. Bye now.